Gardening tour back on to NURFM. And Scott, you mentioned the May bush, or as it should be called here, the September bush. But, yes. But the May bush just sounds better. It's confusing, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> very, very confusing, <laughs> yes. You're confused <laughs> yes. by it. I'm confused by it. Uh, yeah, look, it is called the May bush uh, because in the northern hemisphere, and we're down the bottom, so we're yep. in the southern hemisphere. So it'll be autumn there. Uh May. No, oh, oh, no, it's still spring over there. No, it, no, look, it's spring here. Yeah, but it'd be autumn over in the northern hemisphere. No, uh, no, I'm sure. No, I must flower in spring over there as well in well, May. Spring is May over there. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. Uh, Confusion already this morning. Yeah, well, well, look, we know about plants here. We don't necessarily know about geography or the seasons in the northern hemisphere too well. Or the planet. How, how just, just generally. But I think we've got to the bottom of it there. It's called Maybush because in spring in the northern hemisphere, it flowers. It is a absolutely beautiful plant and really, really tough as well. One of the great things about it is that it will grow pretty much anywhere here in Australia except up in the tropics. So once you get sort of, uh, you know, north of Brisbane and around those coastal areas, uh, it's just not going to grow for you. Yep. Uh, too humid, but certainly down here, uh, you know, Western Australia, Victoria, looks spectacular. You're probably seeing it at this time of year. It's a, a funny-looking plant. It uh, comes out of the ground like little canes. Uh, gets to about two and a half metres tall, and uh, just a profusion of white flowers at this time of year. You could probably cut them as well if you wanted to, and uh, put them into a, a tall vase. They look quite oh, nice. Right, eh? Yeah. So it's like a cane sort of base. Yes, it, it just spreads out from the base and gets about. Yeah, two to two and a half metres tall. You can prune them and keep them down much lower. Uh, in fact, they're a very, very tough plant in that you can almost cut them back down to the ground and they'll come back to life for you. Uh, the, the main thing to do would be to leave it alone, I guess, in the winter periods uh, so that it does have the flowering uh, you know, material yep. on it when it comes to flower in spring, spring here in yep. Australia being <laughs> September. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's actually originally from uh, southeastern China. Uh, yeah, like I said, one of the great things, low water use as well with it, about two and a half metres tall. And the flowers on it, they're um, not single flowers. They're actually double white flowers. So they're really quite ruffled and lots and lots of them on the individual canes. Right. Sounds like a spectacular plant. It is. You could use it, uh, I guess, if you wanted to in some sort of uh, hedging border as well, if you needed to, uh, because it is very prunable. Uh, it doesn't have uh, you know, too much issue with pest and disease here in Australia. Uh, it does like the full sun. Uh, I guess the only thing you might want to make sure that it does have plenty of space if you're going to let it get up to its full size, because uh, it would probably get about a metre across. Okay. Uh, in its diameter and that uh, two and a half metre size. But yeah, Maybush uh, should be available in your garden centres now uh, to purchase. Uh, again, just a very easy plant to look after. It will grow anywhere out if you're around around Cessnock or somewhere and it's too cold. It'll be fine out there as well. Rightio. Now, I just got a question pop up in our screen. Is it a weed? Well, I don't know that it is. It's still available in uh, in the garden centres. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't seem to, to seed or anything or spread too much. It's a fairly containable clump, so... Uh, certainly lots of people have got it in their gardens. Right. Yeah. So, something to look out for. Yes. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. If you've got a question for... <coughs> oh, Greg, are you okay? I'll have to give you the old Heimlich there. Oh, I'm struggling. Just something went down the wrong way. Not good, not good. I don't know what it was. I haven't eaten anything, so...
Oh, it could be a fish bone. Could be. Yeah. Anyway, it's Gardening Talk back on too when you're okay. right Four nine two one six two one six, And we've got Brian from Adawi, and he's got a question about mangoes. Brian, how can we help you? <clears throat> uh, yeah, a bit of mango maintenance, really. Um, yeah. Quite a large mango bush. It doesn't fruit every year. Last season it did, and we got plenty of fruit. The year before, um, it flowered, and then the flowers buds all just went black and fell off, and hope that's not the same problem again this year. Yeah, so mangoes do need to be sprayed uh, when the flower buds are on. Right. Uh, And you're actually spraying spraying for a fungal disease called anthracnose. Uh, You use uh, either copper oxychloride, which is a fungicide, or mancozeb plus, and you're actually spraying, A, to stop the fungus destroying the flowers like sounds like it's happened to you. And even if it doesn't destroy the flowers, it can remain there. And then once the fruit sets, it stays in the fruit and travels down through the, you know, like the blossom end, I guess, where it joins up. Uh, so spraying your mangoes as they come into flower is very important uh, at this time of year. Right. What was it called, mango set? Uh, Mancozeb is, oh, that'd be good if it was called Mangozeb. <laughs> that'd make it so much easier. But now it's called Mancozeb. Uh, and there's also Manco. copper oxychloride, which is a blue powder. And you just spray it all over the flowers, all over the plant. Uh, you know, it won't uh, um, change the withholding period for you eating the fruit on there. It just forms a nice sort of seal against uh, any fungal disease getting in there. The last season, as I said, we got a good crop. Yep. They didn't They didn't change colour, though. They they stayed green, yes. and they had black blotches on the skin, but the fruit was sensational. Yeah, so it sounds like you've had the anthracnose in there as well. That's that black blotching you get on the skin. Uh, yep. So as you can see, it, it can also get in, into the actual fruit as well. Oh, all right. Mangozeb. Man, yeah, man, man, mangozeb is the way to go. That's what we're going to call it from now on. <laughs> okay. Okay, good on you, Brian. Thanks for your help. Thanks for good that. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Brian. We've got Deborah now from Windale, and she's got some snail problems. Ooh, Deborah, how can we help you with your snails? Well, yeah, um, I can't get. I, I put the baits around every the snail bait around every few days, but yes. I just can't get on top of them, and they eating all the um, young fruit before it gets to ripen. Okay, that's, so what sort of uh, uh, things are you growing in your garden for the snails to have a, a feed on? Chocos and oh. tomatoes and strawberries. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I think probably the, the, the issue with the choco, if you've got a vine, you know, that's going along the top of your, your fence or whatever, the snail's living up in underneath there, so putting the snail bait around on the ground's not necessarily going to have a great effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to keep those little guys under control. I know I... I sort of suffer the same problem at my place. Uh, in that I've got some rogue snails, and I've got a, a Chinese star jasmine uh, hedge along the front of my place, and they just live in there, and they come out. They actually get into my letterbox all the time and eat my yeah. letters. Oh. Yeah, they like the mail too, don't oh, they? Oh, they do. They certainly never reach your bills, though, do they? Oh, no, they never quite get to the bills. They must have something in there. But all those important documents that I need, you know, like you know, birth certificates or, you know, whatever, they yep. always chomp into those, yeah. yeah. Mm passports, you know, whatever they can get to. But no, never the bills. Uh, look, that that is a really difficult problem. Uh, the, with the uh, tomatoes and your other uh, plants that are coming out of the ground, they're not necessarily a vine. Just keep on using the snail bait uh, around there, uh, just sprinkling it around. You uh, could in the past get snail spray 
uh, which, uh-huh. you, which you could actually spray on. Uh, whether that, uh, you just have to make sure with the instructions that you can spray it onto the leaves of plants. I think it might burn slightly, but uh, if you can find some, it would be worth chasing that up to see if you can use that on your choco vine to try and get them under control in there. Won't yeah. necessarily kill them, uh, but it will just, you know, send them away. They'll go, oh, no, I don't like being there. Thanks very much. Uh-huh. And then you might chase them back down to the ground. Uh, where there is the uh, snail bait proper and they'll have a feast on that and then um, it'll be goodbye to them. Mm, well, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. And okay, look, well, uh, otherwise... Okay, well, advice and I'll, um, I'll look out for that and, and give it a go. Yeah, otherwise just, uh, you know, going out there at night and having a with a torch and seeing when, when they come out and they're a bit more active, uh, plucking them away then and throwing them uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, okay then. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I throw mine out in the road. On the road, all right. That's a bit cruel, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but I figure if I I throw them out, I don't actually kill them. If they can make their way back, then that's a strong snail and it deserves to be (laughs) eating in my garden. Deserves to be praised. Yeah, so. Can you eat garden snails? Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a question to ask somebody else, isn't it? Yeah, like a chef, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it'd be hard to wash. Uh, I, I think they are a different type of snail, the escargot that we oh, right, that yeah. we do eat. Yeah, you can't just go into your backyard and oh, they're basically just slugs in a shell, aren't they? Yeah, I, ha- I have eaten them a couple of times. Uh, look, they don't taste bad, but the the thought of eating the snail, I think, yeah, yeah it's like eating lamb's brains. It, uh, yeah, yeah. Ew. Oh, it's lunchtime too. Sorry, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry about <everyone> that. <laughs> We've got Kieran now from Stockton. who has got a question about the orange tree. Kieran, how can we help you? Oh, good day, Scott. How are you going? Yeah, very well. That's good. Look, I uh, gave my orange tree a major prune in August. Yes. Um, uh, first one it's had for quite a few years, actually. And I was just wondering if I should fertilise it. Yeah, you certainly can. Now, yours is in the ground, obviously. Yes. Yep. Yes, okay. So you can fertilise it with uh, poultry manure. And you can also go and get, uh, you know, that sort of granulised citrus food that uh, that's out there on the market. Uh, you can certainly sprinkle that around. Uh, there's uh, If you've got a citrus plant in a pot, uh, there's a product called Sudden Impact. It's actually made for roses, but uh, citrus trees love it. So anyone who's got a citrus in a pot, certainly give it that. Uh, but uh, for you, Kieran, the poultry manure and that citrus food is the way to go. Granulized. Oh, look, it's, it's, you, there's a whole lot of different ones. Oh, it used oh, right. to be called Grow Plus, uh, but there's a whole oh, lot yeah. of different ones out there on the market. But it's that more, uh, I guess, chemically um, yeah. citrus food rather than an organic one. So what right. you're doing is you're giving it, to, you know, those trace elements in that fertilizer and right. you're also giving it the poultry manure. So you're giving it some organic fertilizer as well. Right, huh? I know that sounds great. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you for the call, Kieran. Right. Have a nice afternoon. Cheers. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, We've got Cole from Rutherford. And he's got some advice about the pink maybush. Hey, Cole, tell us about the pink maybush. Have you ever heard of it? A lot of people have never heard of it. Yeah, no, I have heard about it. Uh, it's um, it's co- common name is called pink ice. It's actually got a bit of variegation on the leaves as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and, the, and the, the flowers start out pink. They sort of fade off a little bit as it gets older. Have you got one growing, mate? Yeah, and um, how's it go for you? I think we've lost him. Oh, Cole's gone. Just he was about to give us the 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 good oil on the uh, pink maybush, but uh, he's dropped out. There, he might call back and uh, find us finish off for us. Hopefully, he does. We're on suspense now, on the edge of our seats. Yeah, to see if it's a good plant <laughs> <Yes>. or not. <laughs> we've got Les now from Thornton, and he's got a way how to stop snails. 
Tell us, Les, how can we get rid of the snails from our garden? Yeah, the lady that was growing the um, the chocos. Yes. If you um if you got snails underneath, like you like if you got a timber fence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a handful of salt in one of those, you know, the Nilex spray bottles you get from Bunnings. Oh yes, yeah. Put a handful of just table salt in one of those and warm water. Yeah. Just go around and zap them, mate. They'll bubble up and die. So you're saying just uh, spray like a sharpshooter the individual snails rather than the whole plant? Yeah, just a, well, if you see them under the fence, you, you can't see them on the ground, so obviously they're on the fence line somewhere. Yep, no, that, that's a good idea. I, th- I thought my idea of catching them and throwing them on the road was a bit cruel, but uh, hitting them with the salt, well, that's that's one way to get rid of them. And it goes halfway to Greg wanting to eat them. He's a bit of yeah, seasoning. Well, yep, I some seed. Yeah, that probably. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks very much for that. I appreciate it, Liz. Yeah, no worries, mate. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Les. We've got John now, also from Thornton, and he's got a pet-friendly treatment for lawns. Oh, good. Uh, John, how can we yes. help you? Well, I've got, um, as I said, I've got a lawn full of weeds, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if my dog's trying to help me by nibbling at them and trying to pull them out or, or what, but I think I'd heard before, or you say before, that there was a, a weed and feed type thing that's safe to use with with animals around, is that right? Yeah, so look, most of those, uh, you know, weed sprays that you use on the lawn, they're quite safe. You just have to leave them to dry off. So I always say give them four to five hours and then let your pets back out there after that. Uh, you won't really have any problems there. There's certainly no indication or warnings on any of the labels. That's just my advice to you. Just leave it for, you know, that, that period of time until it's dry. Obviously, if you've just sprayed, you wouldn't want your animals out there. It gets on their paws and they decide to you know, have a lick at that and wash that off. So uh, I, I think that's the, about the time period to make oh, it safe well, for your animals, yeah. Yeah, because the only thing I can use around here with him is um, I, I pour white vinegar over a lot of the things, you know, and it just burns it off a bit. It doesn't kill it, but uh, it slows it down a bit anyway. Yeah, and look, there, there is another product called Slasher out there, which works in, you know, sort of the same way. It's, it's based on, oh, I think it's pine oil, and you put that on there, and it also just burns out the weed in the sun. And, you know, obviously, the, the hotter and the sunnier it is, the better it's going to work for you. So that one's called Slasher. Um, but your idea about the vinegar, yeah, that's a great idea too. Yeah, but as I said, I just want to want to be able to get rid of the weeds out of the lawn. And um, so you reckon if even the ordinary ones and that and just keep your dog, let them dry, keep your dog away for a while. Yeah, yes, yeah. so like Bindi, uh, Clean Lawn, they'll, they'll do the uh, the job for you. Make sure that you have some length on the lawn. Don't mow the lawn and then decide to go and spray because it needs to settle onto the uh, onto the leaves of the weeds and then actually oh, burn yeah. that away. Uh, oh, that's a good excuse for me not to mow. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. And then you'll see it start to burn off over, you know, five or six days and then yeah. after that time you can go out and mow. Okay, then. Great. Thanks a lot for that. Okay, thanks for the call, Thank John. You. Appreciate Thank it. Thank okay. Bye-bye. And we've got Elizabeth from Yarramalong Valley, and she's got a question about weed and feed for lawns. Afternoon, Elizabeth. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. 
Um, I bought some weed and seed, and it, I didn't realise it says especially formulated for buffalo lawns. I've got kaikuyu. Can I still use that on a kaikuyu lawn? Yeah, you certainly can. Uh, look, the reason they have that on there is because uh, buffalo can be a little bit of a, a touchy, softer type of grass. Yeah. Uh, so what they're really saying to you is it's safe to use on buffalo lawns, but you can certainly use it on the other lawns as well, uh, you know, Kaikyu, uh, Cooch, whatever you'd like to, they will handle it. But uh, some, you know, buffaloes don't uh, like some, you know, chemicals being put on them. They just burn them and, and almost, you know, tear them apart and you uh, have to wait the whole year for them to come back. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I just, like the fellow before, I've got a lawn full of weeds. So I thought this would be one way to solve it. But it is a, it is a great, your call's been fantastic because it is a great warning for people who have buffalo lawns out there. Be careful and always read the instructions on any weed killer that you're getting to make sure you can actually use it on your lawn because... So, like I said, uh, it can do a lot of damage. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. okay. I didn't read the label, but now I've, <laughs> I've read it now, but it's safe to use. That's good. Do you know if they make a kaikuyu weed and feed? Uh, well, look, I, the, just the general weed and feed would be suitable to use on kaikuyu. It's not necessarily specific. Like I said, it's just because buff, buffalo is a softer type grass. They're saying, hey, this one is safe to use on buffalo. A lot of people have got buffalo now. It seems to be the, the lawn of choice out there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good. Thank you very much. Okay. So, yeah, feel free and uh, safe to use that, Elizabeth. True. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got Karen from Soldier's Point and she's got snail problems as well. well. I don't know what it is. Some mysterious creature eats things in the middle of the night in my backyard. Like, I've got a small um, navel orange tree and it eats the leaves right back to the stalk and if I put flowers in the garden, sometimes that, that's out back... But out front, if I put flowers in the garden, it can often eat the plant or eat the flowers. I even tried marigolds, but it seems like eating stuff. I don't know if it's a different creature or just snails. Uh, no, I, I think it sounds like you've got something a little larger there, um, probably not large enough to eat your barbecue furniture or anything, but uh, something in between. Uh, it might be that you've got a possum uh, doing that sort of damage uh, because they will eat... Uh, you know, the leaves of plants way back down. Uh, it also could be rodents as well. Unfortunately, they will get in and have a bit of a chomp at certain things. But the sound like, you know, when you said you've had uh, flowers you've put out there in the garden, I, I think it could be possums that you've got. Yeah, so look, there are ways to keep that under control. There uh, is a product called DETER, D-T-E-R. You mix that up in the watering can. Uh, you can spray it as well if you want to. Uh, but it's one of those things where you have to be really persistent with it, spraying it. Uh, if it rains or you're watering, it washes it away. It just has a, a, a funny smell to it, not one that uh, you know makes us upset, but uh, little furry creatures with uh, better noses than humans, uh, they get a bit upset with it and it just keeps them away from... Uh, uh, you know, plants. Okay, I'll give that a try then. Okay. And it won't hurt, well, like, won't hurt dogs or anything. It's, it's safe for them. Uh, look, it, it's certainly safe. It, it may upset their smell as well, but if you don't want them going near that orange tree, well, all well and good um, too. So, uh, look, I, I think it's, you know, quite a safe, things to, safe thing to use, sorry, uh, especially when you're just going to use it around isolated plants. Okay, I'll give that a try then. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you very much for that. Bye. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Well, we've got... Oh, no, Connie's gone. We did have Connie from 
Bolton Point, but she seemed to have disappeared. And we did have another uh, suggestion about keeping snails at bay uh, from Colleen, and that was to use eggshells. Right. Yeah, so... Well, you just smash them up and scatter them. Yeah. What's the old saying about making an omelette? You can't... You have to... Break a few eggs. To make think, an omelette, yeah. yeah. The other thing you can use as well is sugarcane mulch. They apparently don't like getting over that. They feel funny when they're sliding across. Oh, okay, right. So the eggshells, sugarcane mulch, uh, some, yeah, some great ideas. So we've got Connie from Bolton Point. She's got a question about the orange tree. Hey, Connie, That's how can we right. help? That's right, Scott. Uh, I've got a navel orange tree. It's got lots of oranges on it. Uh, it's also in blossom. Is it too late to fertilise it now or should I or should I do it? I would leave it alone at this point in time. I've got this rule of thumb that if a, a plant's in flower and, and fruiting, that you don't fertilise at that time. Because I, I think what can happen is that it gets this sort of shockwave of fertiliser going up through it and it gets stressed and then it will drop its flower and fruit. So when you've got that on there, I just say water, 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 because at the moment you're wanting to fill those oranges up with juice and you're not wanting the flowers to drop off. So uh, plenty of water, but I'd steer clear of the fertilising until it's uh, finished fruiting and flowering. Oh, I'm glad I asked you because I was about to do that. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> That's all right. That's not a problem at all. Thank you for the call, Connie. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we've got Cole now from Saltash, and he's got questions with Bendai on a buffalo. Hello, Cole. How can we help you? Ah, g'day, Scott. Um, I'm talking about that Bendai. Uh, I've bought Bendai and it had uh, for all, all lawns except buffalo ST. What's that ST stand for? Yes, look, that that might be a specific type of buffalo strain. Uh, I'd like have to the water or something, or yeah, well, S that would be SW, I reckon, but uh, it must yeah, be some particular yeah. type of strain. Yeah, look, as I was saying before, buffalo is a, a tender grass; uh, it doesn't like being sprayed too much. Uh, right. Usually, will handle it, you know, once or twice a year. Uh, being sprayed, but you just have to be very careful. And like you did, you had a, a good look at the instructions on the packet, and you have to make sure that it is registered to use on buffalo grass. Otherwise, you can do a lot of damage to your lawn. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been down that street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, and, and a few people have. They've just gone and bought something. They've they've spread it all over. Uh, and uh, it, I guess this has become more of a problem um, because buffalo is now more of a popular grass. Uh, you know, back when it became instantly, you know, five, ten years ago, it became very popular quickly. And a lot of the chemicals that were still on the market weren't suitable mm-hmm. to use on mm-hmm. buffalo, but people were still using them. Uh, so, yeah, look, be very careful about it. Always read your instructions. Never add a little bit extra in there, you know, for the no. pot. Uh, always do it exactly as it says. You know, if it says, you know, five or ten mils or whatever per litre, that's what you do. You don't make it 20 mils thinking it's going to work twice as fast because uh, it will, but it will it will burn your lawn uh, away and it just won't be very good for you. It'll be very crispy underfoot. <laughs> That's a, that's a boy thing, isn't it? Ah, uh, it certainly is. I know I've been guilty of doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I just wondered if, uh, like, I've got Sir Walter in amongst my old buffalo, and uh, I was just wondering if it's going to affect just the Sir Walter or or uh, or just the other one. You could just about put anything on it. It was just the old natural one that's been around for 100 years. Yeah, and, and it is but, a much tougher lawn, uh, like, yeah, yeah, like you've realised. Sir Walter is a bit tender, yeah. It is, and there's other you know versions of uh, buffalo out there as well, which are also very tender. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you'll just have to be very careful about that. I will. 
Okay, then. Thanks, Scott. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate Cheers. the call. Okay, bye. Cheers, bye, Cheers, thanks, Colt. Now, Scott, you mentioned the top of the show. We were talking with Maybush. Yes. And spring plants. Yes. What were the other selections you had? Well, there's wisteria out there at the moment. Uh, it's, of course, uh, a beautiful uh, climbing plant. Yep. Uh, the actual plant, if you're not you have to be careful about it because it can do some damage. It gets very woody. So if you've got a pergola or a lattice, uh, the actual branches can, you know, make a lot, you know, a lot of damage. They just tear things apart oh, as right they yeah. expand. Yep. So, but otherwise, you get those really long purple, white, pink flowers. A lot of different varieties coming down. It's this time of year that they flower. They actually flower before they get their leaves on there. So you, you'd be seeing them as you drive around at the moment. Uh, you know, uh, I noticed as I was driving out to Charlestown earlier on uh, today, uh, there's some fencing up there on council land and it's just sort of yep. the wisteria is woven its way through and you're really aware of it at the moment. Uh, it's in the garden centres at the moment. Uh, if you want to plant a wisteria, it's a great time to go out there and choose them because there are different colours. Uh, obviously, the purple one uh, is the most common one that uh, you see. You can also get standardised uh, wisteria uh, where someone's trained them up, you know, about 1.8, 2 metres, and then they let them spill down from there. So uh, you probably need some sort of like the old-fashioned rose wheel to make that happen and, and keep that looking nice. But, uh, yeah, wisteria is a, a fantastic uh, plant. It's very, very tough, uh, but the only thing you have to be uh, aware of that it uh, can do some damage if it's winding through timber structures uh, as it gets older and right. expands and more woody uh, will do the damage. Uh, but if you've just got an old garage or something, you want to let it run over the roof uh, or a fence line, uh, certainly get some in there. Um, it's very quick growing as well. Uh, grows out in the full sun, doesn't require a lot of water. Uh, deciduous plant, but uh, all the benefits are at this time of year when the purple flowers are out there and it looks spectacular. Right, excellent. Very comprehensive. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got time for one more call before we wrap up, Scott. We've got Rodney from Valentine and he's got some comments about weed and feed. Rodney, how can we help you, mate? Um, well, it's just a thought I'd make comment because you've been discussing the whole weed and feed issue. Yes. What I have found in the past is a granular weed and feed specific for buffalo. Yes, grass. yes, that's that's correct. Uh, I, I believe that you know there are also hose on ones now as well. But the main thing to do if anyone's getting weed and feed or any sort of uh, you know herbicide or selective herbicide is to turn that uh, that packet over and have a careful read of the instructions to make sure um, that you can apply it uh, onto buffalo um, because yeah, like we've been saying, it is a very soft. Uh, lawn uh, it, it wears very easily if you're walking over it uh, but with all of these products uh, make sure like I said earlier on that your lawn is quite long uh, and that the weeds are up there so that the, uh, the product can actually settle on there and burn it away mm. uh, weed and feed is uh, quite a good product uh, it probably isn't the best thing to get rid of weeds though. So if you have got a serious weed problem, uh, you're better to get a selective herbicide and spray it on there um, according to the directions. So uh, thank yes. you for the call, Rodney. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay, thanks, mate. Have Bye. a nice afternoon. Cheers. Thanks, Rodney. Well, Scott, we've run out of time for another week. Sped through there like Speedy Gonzales. Very fast. Yes. Like a cheetah. Yes. I'm trying to think of other fast things. <laughs> oh, there are. It's sea mammals. A speeding bullet. Yes. Porpoises. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Scott Shutt, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next week for Gardening Talkback. Okay, talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. 
You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.